0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 1 on God's special relationship between God and man and how for a man to get fixed, man is going to need to submit and yield to God in the relationship. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org or also available on itunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, Tom Cantor is not only our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God Radio program today, but he's also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. And as Israel Restoration Ministries founder, he has a heart to reach Jewish people, being Jewish himself, but also knowing the scriptures, how God is long-suffering and wants Israel to be saved. So Israel Restoration Ministries is a dynamic evangelism, Jewish evangelism outreach ministry that reaches primarily Jewish people with the gospel as they go about in city to city in Brooklyn and Baltimore and other Jewish cities, even Los Angeles, with full and part-time missionaries. And we need your support to help continue the gospel going to the Jewish people as we see what's going on over the Middle East and Israel. So we need to reach Israel here in America and abroad. So help us to do that. We've got full and part-time missionaries all over this world. So please uh, send in your donation today. And it's 100% tax deductible and will also support this Bible teaching radio program. Now you can call in, donate online, or lastly, I'll give you our mailing address. But first, our number You can call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051 to support Jewish evangelism and the Friendship with God radio program, 800-247-3051, again, 800-247-3051, or you can donate online friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Now, you can also write Tom Cantor or mail in your support today, 100% tax-deductible to support the Friendship with God radio program and Israel Restoration Ministries. So you can mail in your support to this address, Friendship with God, or you can title it Israel Restoration Ministries. Both are based out of the same P.O. Box. So write us at P.O. Box 711-330. That's P.O. Box 711-330. T, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, one word, Santee, T. California, 92071, 92071. So again, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California, 92071. So write in, go online to donate at friendshipwithgod.org, or again, you can call us at 800-247-3051. With your support of Israel and reaching Jewish people and this Bible teaching radio program. Now, here's Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis chapter 1 about God's special relationship between God and man and how for man to get fixed, God is going to need to submit and yield to God in the relationship.
1: Let's start off and we'll look to the Lord in, in prayer. Lord, we, we get so caught up in ourselves and, and we fail to take time to consider you, the Lord Jesus Christ, how great you are. How wonderful is your care for us, Lord, and and your love to us. This morning, Lord, as we come to you, we ask you to forgive us, to cleanse us, Lord, from our sins, and help us this morning to put away every distraction that would pull us away, and to wholeheartedly consider the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Amen. Um, I got a quote for you here, it's an interesting quote. All the answers to all our problems are found between the covers of this single book, if we would only read it and believe it. President Ronald Reagan said that. <laughs> uh, that was a good quote, though, wasn't it? It's a good thing he said that at the Bel Air uh, Presbyterian Church. Uh, follow along now as so we read here. We're we'll going to open in, in Genesis chapter two, verse five. Okay. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth, and watered the whole face of the ground, and the Lord God formed man." of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed and out of the ground made the Lord God to go every good tr- every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the one of uh, the first is Pison. The name uh, that this is it that compasseth the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. There is bdellium and the onyx stone. And the name of the second is Gihon. The same is it that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hidikel. That is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth is Euphra- river is Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to all the fowls of the air and to every beast of the field. But... For Adam, there was not found an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called uh, woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. All right, now, last week you remember that we... As we looked at, at chapter two and we saw verse one, that marked that very important word there, where it says, "Thus the heavens and the earth were finished." That's a very important first finish for God in the Bible. Very, very important. The creation. What are the other two great finishes in the Bible? Anybody remember Christ on the cross from John 19, 30, When Jesus, therefore, it said, had received the vinegar, he said, "It is finished." That finished our redemption. This was the finish of the creation, the work of creation. That was the finish of the work of redemption. And the last, the heavens and the new earth. Then he said, Revelation 21 He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said in verse 6 He said unto me, It is done or finished. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. So that was the finish of the third great work of God in the Bible, in the new creation. Aren't you glad that God is a finisher of what he starts? He has begun a work in every believer that will take a lifetime to finish, but he's going to finish it because God's a finisher. That's good news. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it or finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. So we have great confidence and hope that God, as we yield ourselves to him, is going to, is going to continue the work that he has begun to do in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, we saw last week also about the Sabbath, and we learned from Isaiah chapter 58, which is the great two verses, verses 13 and 14, about what the Sabbath is in its essence. So much confusion about the Sabbath and about which day and so forth. But we saw that the Sabbath is essentially a decision day, it's a day when when we decide to make a day, a special day, a holy day, a special day, we decide it's going to be the best day of the week, day of all the best emblem of eternal rest, as the hymn says. It's going to be the best day. And that's our decision. And we decide that in that day, instead of our recreation and our pleasure and doing what makes us happy, we're going to take that day and we're going to especially use it to honor God. We're going to honor God by studying about God. We're going to honor God by talking about God, by thinking about God, by praying to God. That's the day. That's Sabbath. That's why we call that day the Lord's day as opposed to our day. Now, as we've moved in Genesis 2, closer and closer to the creation of man, we saw that God became more and more front stage, more and more involved in the creation, more and more himself forming man out of the dust of the ground, himself planting the garden. It says there, that's God becoming more and more involved as he moves toward The pinnacle of his creation, the creation of man. Because here is going to be the special relationship between God and man. And that's what we're going to study this morning. The creation of man and the special relationship that God had with man. The relationship between God and man. Now, first point we see from uh, Genesis 2 about the special relationship is in verse 7. And what does it say? And the Lord God, three words. God formed man. God made man out of the dust of the ground. God made man. That is a very, very important part of the relationship. It's the basic understanding that we have in our relationship with God or the Lord Jesus Christ. He made us. He made us. You think it's basic? There's a huge attack on that, on whether God made man or not. Oh, turn get out your forty-two fingers. Keep one of them in Genesis 2 and one in John John 1. Very, very essential point here. That a lot springs out of the understanding of this point, John 1:1 1 1-3. One, 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 See, in the beginning was the word. Now we know that later on and when we come to verse 14 that the word was made flesh so he's identified as the Lord Jesus Christ but in the beginning was the word when was he in the beginning that's all you need to know the word was with God or toward God or along with God or echad with God one with God the word was God no question about it the word was God The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. All things were made by the Lord Jesus Christ. It really needs to settle in and embed within our hearts. All things were made by the Lord Jesus Christ. And without him was not anything made that was made. You might want to write down, keep in mind, a very important verse. In fact, so important, take one of your 42 fingers and turn to that one. Psalm 100 verse 3, very important, because it has three parts to this, or let's say four parts to this. First, know, that means we're supposed to know, know ye that the Lord, he is God. Now, if you take the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and you substitute him, then you would be saying, know that Jesus Christ is God. Know you that the Lord Jesus Christ is God. That's essential. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves, and no one else, and nothing else, no evolution, no other fantasy that made us. It's he, him, that made us. Now, now here's the two consequences of that. So you could almost put in this verse a therefore we are his people. We are his people. What's the word his mean? Ownership. We are owned by him. We are his people. And the fourth point, and we are the sheep of his pasture. We are the sheep of his pasture. That's a great honor. That's a great privilege to be owned by God. It's a great privilege and honor to be the sheep of his pasture. Everything changes When we know the truth of this psalm, uh, verse 3, when we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is God, that as it says in John 1, that he made us, because then all of a sudden we see things differently. When we go to evangelize lost sinners, we see them differently. When you look at a lost soul, you see, when you believe this verse, you see that soul as God's lost property, as belonging to God. That changes your whole game plan when you see this sinful person cursing God. You see him as God made him, God lost him. I'm an evangelist, that means I'm a worker in God's lost and found department. That's what I do. I go find what God lost and bring it back to him. See, that changes everything when you see it that way. Psalm 119, verse 73, it starts with Yod, Yod that's Hebrew for y'all. (laughs) Y'all? Not really. All right. It says, uh, thy hands have made me and fashioned me. This is David now speaking. He understands this. Thy hands, the hands of God from Genesis 2, have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. On what basis did David ask God for understanding? Because he was his property. Because he was made by God. That's why. That's why the enemy pushes so hard this lame scientific theory, so-called scientific theory of evolution. Why? Because what it does is it breaks the tie to who made us. Who made us? Who has the right to us? He wants us to think that no one, the devil wants us to think that no one made us, that we just came about through time and chance and random processes. And so when you get broke, you got nowhere to go because you got no maker. you got nobody to go to to, to fix you. That's, that's, that's the idea behind evolution. But if you know that the Lord Jesus Christ made you, that's a very strong argument. But when you're broken with sin, you go to him, the maker, you know that he is that he is that 's also a very strong argument to let him have his way in our lives. Let him have his way in our lives don 't miss those last two verses. Go back to Genesis two, very important verses. Look at the uh, verse eight there. Tell me the last four words of those verse eight, whom he had formed. Those are very important words. There there he put the man whom he had formed. Now, what if Adam had said, you know, why should I let God put me here in this garden? I don't think I'll, I don't, I'm not going to yield to that. I'm going to rebel against it, you know. What's the answer? If we were, if we were counseling Adam, Adam came to us, he made you. (laughs) He made you, Adam. (laughs) Adam said, okay. Now, what if you and I would say, You know, why should I stay in this marriage? You know, or some other place I know God wants me to be. Why should I yield to him? What's the answer? He he made you. He made you. He put you there. Or maybe you put yourself there, but you're there anyway. Anyway, he made you. So that's the answer. The biggest obstacle for a lost, sinful person to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what that is? It's a refusal to yield to God. I will not have this man reign over me. That's a refusal to yield to God. It's a refusal to submit to him. So chapter two, we have to look at chapter two in the context of chapter three, because chapter three, we're going to fall off a cliff. (laughs) But chapter two, we haven't fallen off the cliff yet. But God knows we're going to fall off the cliff in chapter three. So that's why he's got everything in chapter two that he's got. And what he's got there in chapter two, on the threshold of the tragedy of the fall of man, God is already wanting man to come to God, to get fixed after he sins and falls away from God. So he's building the arguments in chapter 2, and he's saying, look, to get fixed, Adam, later on you're going to need this, to get fixed, don't forget those last four verse, words of verse 8. He made he, whom he formed. He made you. He made you. So, keep that in mind. Second thing to keep in mind from chapter 2, and again, standing on the threshold of falling off the cliff, chapter 3, not only that he made you, but keep in mind who is God? Who is the Lord Jesus Christ? Who is he? Why? Because when you fall off the cliff and, 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 and you need to go for help, you need, you're going to need to know who he is because that's going to give you confidence to go back to him to get fixed, to get saved, to get repaired, to get restored. All those words. So those are the two things that are important about chapter two. He made you and who he is. Who is the Lord Jesus Christ? Okay. So we saw, first of all, that he, is the, he made us. Okay. Number two in verse seven, chapter two, verse seven. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. What do we learn about this? God gave man life. God gave man life. Okay, so one of your fingers, remember, you had it over there in John 1. Good. So what does it say in the fourth verse of chapter 1? In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Isn't that what we see in chapter 2? In God is life. He's just formed out of the dust of the earth. He doesn't have life. So he breathes into his nostrils, God does, the breath of life. And man becomes a living soul. And what does that mean? He becomes a living soul. Well, as it says here in John 1, 4, In him, in God, was life. He breathes into man. And the life is the light of men. It's the light bulb. It's the understanding. It's the ability to know God. It's the ability to love God. It's the ability to have the special relationship with God. That's the understanding. That's the light. God breathes into man this light. This light, it's a bit of a mystery. I can't describe the whole thing to you. But what we see here is that there's only one source for life. God. God is the source for life. When you talk to a lost sinner... The problem is, I used to work over at Mercy Hospital, and sometimes had to go down there to the morgue, and we had to get tissue from cadavers, and they're all, these stiffs are laying out either on tables or so forth, and, and you, you could go there, after hours you could practice your preaching and your teaching, you know, in front of those, those cadavers, you know, and you could pour your heart out, and you could preach the best message you possibly think you can, and you know what? No response. (laughs) You know why? (laughs) He's dead. (laughs) That's the problem. Nothing wrong with you. Something wrong with the recipient, right? It's just life and death. It's death. That's the problem. Okay. So, what we know, that God is the source for life. And he can breathe life into dead, sinful men. God can do that. And he wants to do that if they'll turn to him for it. But there's no other description in the creation about God doing this for any animal. It's only man that he breathes into the breath of life and he becomes a living soul. And it's understanding. And with our understanding, we have relationships with people. Oh, we understand, you know, he's a good guy, so I want to be friends with him. Our understanding brings us to a relationship with that person. Our understanding of who God is, that we learn here in chapter 2, brings us and encourages us to get close to God, to be have a special relationship with him from the life. Now, what did it mean? What went into man, okay? All right, now turn, if you would, to get some clues on this, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 in verse 2, that's where we're going to go. Romans chapter 8 is the Holy Spirit chapter, uh, you might say of the Bible, but uh, certainly of the book of Romans. It's mentioned more times, think 14, more times in this chapter than any other chapter. Romans chapter 8, eight verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life... That's the breath of life, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now look at verse 9 through 11. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have, and I love this title for the Spirit of God, so let's say it together. If any man have not the what? Spirit of Christ. That's a very important title for the Holy Spirit because there's a lot of stuff going on today about the Holy Spirit that you see in a lot of places. And you scratch your head and you say, is that the Holy Spirit? I don't know. Well, He is called the Spirit of Christ. Christ we see in the four Gospels. If if he is the Spirit of Christ, then you would expect him to behave or act as the Christ that we see in the four Gospels, right? Because he's the Spirit of Christ. And if he doesn't, then you have reason to believe. I don't know if that's the same Holy Spirit that's described in the Bible. But in any case, it's just to say that he's called the Spirit of Christ. It's very important. And if Christ be in you, how could Christ be in you? By his Spirit.
0: Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Our resource of the month we've been offering all month long is Tom Cantor's book, Calvary 18 Day CPR. That's Calvary 18 Day CPR, conversational prayer reading taught to you by Tom Cantor. It's also called Bible Breathing, as Tom Cantor puts it. A wonderful book that'll teach you how to inhale the scriptures and release a prayer to God. It'll teach you how to improve your friendship with God even more. So get this Calvary 18-day CPR book by calling us now at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Or go online to friendshipwithgod.org for more information. Or again, 800-247-3051.